Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Iranian Market Minute. Today is Thursday, June 23rd, and this is episode number 141. My name is Justin Hewn. I am your host and the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro Newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. All right, good to be back with you again. Um, in the description below, uh, I'm going to post a link to the Red Cloud conference that happened today. This was a great conference, digital conference, had a number of panels with a smattering of companies across the uranium space. Um, but really the highlight of the day was the fireside chat that uh, took place between the host, David Talbot, and Guy Keller from Tribeca, Mike Alkin from Sachem Cove, and Marcella Lopez from L2 Capital Partners. This was a really, really interesting chat. And this um, honestly really, really did a great job of uh, distilling down just how unbelievably bullish the fundamental setup is here and how different it is from the previous bull market in uranium. I highly suggest that you watch the replay of at least that fireside chat. And if you are serious about the investment, you might as well watch the entire conference. So that link is in the description below. Um, and before we get into the mailbag section where I want to discuss a little bit about uh, the fuel cycle and the what we're seeing across the fuel cycle, uh, we're going to run through the daily scoreboard really quickly and the charts as well. This is going to be a relatively short episode, uh, so let's just jump right into that daily scoreboard. Spot price, 47.25 a pound, down 25 cents from yesterday. Really nothing to pay attention to here. Not really much going on in the spot market. It's essentially irrelevant. Um, at the present moment due to the absence of sput and due to the fact that the uh, fuel cycle is really telling the story of where this market is going. They did not issue any units. Sput did not yesterday, did not raise any new money, nor did they buy any additional pounds of uranium. They closed at a very large double-digit discount to their net asset value, minus 12.28%. Historically, that is uh, towards the extreme end of their discount to NAV. And today we had another pretty nasty day in the markets with the energy sector getting smacked around pretty badly. Uranium got smacked around with it, but there was some pretty significant dip buying towards the end of the day. And we'll look at that in just a moment in the charts. Sput still sits on 70.6 million in cash. Uh, they've got enough to buy, let's say, three quarters of a million pounds and still have a, a decent chunk of cash in their, in their treasury. Turning to the ETFs, both URA and URN, URNM reported redemptions yesterday, 250,000 shares for URA, 75,000 shares for URNM. Combined, that was 6.3 million in selling from these two ETFs. Now, again, there's a two to three day lag between this reporting when that actually selling took place. That wasn't yesterday. That likely was not the day before. That was either Monday or Friday. Either way, we are seeing a bit of redemptions here. Considering the action of the stocks in the space over the past, let's say, two months, very surprised to not see more redemptions, especially coming from URNM. Very interesting stuff. Okay, the sector, like I said, today was quite weak uh, with a bit of dip buying towards the end of the day. So let's look at the charts. URA ended up only down 1.7%, 7.8% on the day after a pretty nasty day trading down within a couple percentage points of the August lows of August of last year. This pullback of, uh, from June to August of last year was pretty substantial. This really shook out a lot of short-term traders, a lot of tourists in the sector. Why did that happen? Because in April was when we heard the news of Sput 
taking over Uranium Participation Corporation. We knew that their ATM was going live in the third week of August, yet the sector continued to sell off and it really shook out a lot of people. What happened after that, of course, when sentiment was at its very lowest, Sput came in like a hurricane and started uh, started buying pounds like crazy. In fact, I, if I recall correctly, they bought around 10 million pounds of uranium in about four weeks. Just absolutely huge. But now we are trading very close to those August lows across the sector. In fact, there's a few securities in the uranium space that have actually are actually trading lower than their August lows of last year. And as I've mentioned multiple times in this podcast over the past few weeks, uh, looking at the valuation of the companies in the space right now, relative to where the valuations were last year, and what has happened since that point. Now, August 2021 was the lows of that pullback, but really, we're sitting at a level here for URA that we saw back in February of 2021. What has happened since then? Well, first of all, the existence of SPUT, okay? That didn't even exist, or at least it wasn't announced back uh, February, January, February, March of 2021, where a lot of these equities are trading at the same valuations, right? Clearly, that's been a major, major um, fundamental development for the uranium thesis. Uh, Sput has purchased 35 million pounds of uranium somewhere in that ballpark. And more than more than anything, and this was a note that, um, if I recall correctly, it was uh, uh, Guy Keller from Tribeca that made it. It might have been Mike Alkin. I apologize. But really what Sput's done, and I totally agree with this comment, is added transparency to the spot market. So pretty much everyone in the space understands at this point really the depth of the spot market. How much uranium is there? Where is it coming from? How much is it trading for? What sort of purchasing pressure actually moves the spot price around? We all know that at this point. And now what we're seeing is we're seeing contracts that are largely referenced to the spot price, like the one I mentioned a couple of days ago about CGN's contract at the floor price, uh, a fixed floor price, 61.70 something per pound with uh, inflation escalators for the 2024-2025 uh, delivery years and the rest of that contract, 60% reference to the spot price, uh, obviously due to their expectation of much higher prices. Now, there probably was a ceiling in that spot reference portion. I could be wrong, but uh, that's either way, we're, we're looking at huge developments since then. What also has happened since the beginning of last year is considering that we're trading back at valuations that are close to that. So the existence of SPUT, huge. Uh, Japanese, uh, the election of the Prime Minister Kishida in Japan, who is going all out in their restarts. We've seen uh, two restarts since that period of time. Uh, we're seeing another restart happening in 2023 that was just approved by the governor of that prefecture. So Japanese has accelerated the restarts. France has stated that they plan to, to build another, um, another 10 plus reactors. The UK is saying they're gonna build reactors. We've seen an absolute revolution in the um, enthusiasm and planned adoption of SMRs. Uh, China has doubled down on their, on their plans to add uh, 150 gigawatts of nuclear in the next 13 years by 2035. Just unbelievably huge developments across the space. And then, of course, uh, you have to mention the, the invasion of the Ukraine by Russia, which effectively is... Is, is forging a divide between the suppliers of uranium conversion and enrichment. So now we have essentially the entirety of the Western world in terms of nuclear utilities seeking out supply in the meantime, in the short term, in conversion and enrichment from ex-Russia. 
Now, there's not really a whole lot of U-308 supply coming from Russia, but the ramp up in conversion and enrichment in the West uh, is going to add massive pressure to the U-308 market. And we haven't seen that yet because that takes some time for that to trickle down. That's what I want to talk about in the mailbag section. But just to wrap that all up, we've seen just, I, I can't even think that you can, that you could have drawn up a more bullish scenario if you said, okay, what, what elements would you desire as a setup for the uranium trade? How about how about a physical trust that only buys and does not sell uranium? And how about it's run by Sprott? Uh, and they have an ATM, okay? How about that? How about the biggest supplier of uh, conversion enrichment gets cut out from the Western utilities market? Well, it looks like we have that now. Uh, how, how about uh, major countries that are already participating in nuclear, such as China, France, the UK, um, recommitting to growing their nuclear fleets? How about California keeping their last nuclear plant online? And you can't even draw up a more bullish scenario. And if you watch that Red Cloud conference, especially that fireside chat with Mike and Marcelo and Guy, um, you're going to grow your conviction for this trade. And that really, really helps to stomach the volatility that we're seeing. Now, I'm not going to beat around the bush here. Today's action was disappointing with an exception of the dip buying at the end of the day. There's candles across, uh, hammer candles across the space, and that was good to see. But look, this has not been easy. This has not been easy. And if you think I'm just unabashedly committed to being bullish because I have a newsletter to sell, I am bullish on this space. I have my own personal money on the line here, and this has been difficult for me as well. But the fundamentals are there. They are there. Guy Keller in that fireside chat from Tribeca, he stated when he compares uranium to a number of other commodities that are all getting sold off together right now, energy is getting hit right now due to uh, recessionary fears, right? We're seeing the oil price drop. We're seeing copper drop. I mean, I'm going to show you some of these charts here in just a second. Fertilizers drop. I mean, these things got crushed today, absolutely crushed. Um, but what Mr. Keller said in this fireside chat essentially was out of all of the commodities that he's watching um, that they're invested in or that they're interested in, or at least that they're following. He has the most confidence in uranium as uh, as bouncing back from this risk-off situation. And I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. By the way, I'm long other commodities. Uh, I'm long a bit of copper. I'm long a bit of oil. I'm long plenty of uh, precious metals and some and some call spreads on SLV, GLD, et cetera. Um, this is not the only place where my money is invested. Um, so I, I'm, I'm never 100% in uranium, and I would never suggest anybody to do so. It's a very volatile sector. But with that said, my confidence in this sector exploding when risk comes back on is very, very high. And the setup for this is truly, truly remarkable. So the fact that we're trading back at levels that we haven't seen for almost, for 16 months is really, really astonishing to me. I, I'm, I'm surprised that we are here, but... That's the market. That's the way that the market works. Sometimes it can trade far lower than you ever thought possible. And uh, it's also highly likely that it's going to go to highs, uh, to levels, and to heights that you never would have think, thought as possible as well on the upside when this does turn around. So I'm very excited about this market. And uh, you know, the day-to-day -day noise really is a bummer. If you have cash to deploy, deploy it. And that's something that I've been doing. I've definitely been adding to position this past week. And across the space, let's look back at the charts again here. Across the space, we're seeing this positive divergence in the RSI. 
across most equities in the space. Chemical holding up quite well, printing two hammer candles uh, two days in a row. We are seeing on this decline uh, of the past week and a half. We're also seeing declining volumes. That's something we'd like to see in these types of sell-offs. Sprott Physical Uranium Trust, like I said, trading to a really significant discount to NAV, closing at a 12 plus percent discount to NAV yesterday with spot price only off a quarter, yet it traded down. It was down probably 5% on the day. Glad to see that dip being bought. Also seeing really, really big positive divergence in the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust. Let's look at NextGen. Uh, I've been looking at this one as well. This is a major large cap. Um, I think that some of these large, cap, large caps have been getting hit due to fund exposure, um, which is likely what we saw across the energy space today and why it affected uranium. I think that there's energy and resource exposed funds that went risk off today. And if those funds have some exposure to uranium, well, sometimes you just have to sell what you have to take risk off the table. If some of these funds are seeing redemptions, that could also add to some selling here. Although, in my opinion, uh, from what I can tell, the uranium-focused uranium focused funds are not seeing redemptions. And uh, these guys are as bullish as you could ever imagine on the uranium space. Um, I said I was going to show you some of the energy stocks. Let's look at the XLE um, energy sector uh, ETF off huge today, off 3.7%. And on really big volume, the selling was pretty fantastic. Uh, Freeport McMorrin, a, a major copper miner, just having a really, really rough week, down almost 6% on the day. And the week so far, we're looking at uh, off almost 13% on the week. Now, the interesting thing about uranium, um, I'm actually gonna stop the screen share here. The interesting thing about uranium is that the demand is relatively static. So when you have recessionary pressures on energy, that typically has to do with oil, that has to do with copper, um, to some extent, natural gas. And so, you, the, this energy sector being sold off today, taking uranium down with it, has ab, does, makes absolutely no sense other than the fact that there are likely funds that hold both uranium as well as oil, as well as copper, et cetera. So, you know, it's just the way that the market functions. Um, if you have a long-term view for this market, then what's happening right now in the market is absolutely an opportunity if you're putting funds to work. If you're all in and you have patience, there's no reason to even watch the charts right now. You might as well just close your eyes for a year or two, and you'll probably be a very, very happy person. Okay, mailbag section today. So somebody mentioned something to me, uh, had a question about the spot price of uranium and its movements this year relative to the movements of the rest of the fuel cycle. Now, I've talked about this ad nauseum in terms of the, the later end of the fuel cycle, conversion enrichment, UF, UF6 conversion enrichment, and EUP enriched uranium product, the product of uh, enrichment, that those prices have moved first. And this is something that typically happens. This is especially something that happens when you have utilities, uh, for lack of a better word, scrambling for supply during an acute situation. And that acute situation is Russia essentially being cut out from the West in terms of conversion and enrichment, in terms of everything really. But because they're such a big player in the conversion and enrichment markets, that's the, those are the markets that have been most affected by the purchasing patterns of the Western utilities and therefore the price movement. So what have we seen year to date? Year to date, we've seen the spot price of uranium up 13.4%. Pretty impressive. Uh, the equities would not allude to that, right? 
Obviously, we've seen uh, we're, we're down uh, decently this year, year to date, even though the spot price is up. Conversion is up 89.1% year to date. Enrichment, uh, SWU, is up 50%. Now, SWU is separate of work unit. That's essentially the cost of enrichment. What does this mean? After a surge of long-term contracting first quarter, which we saw uh, Cameco uh, highlighted that, they had, they, had, uh, they had signed 40 million pounds in long-term contracts in the first five weeks of the year. There's been 70 million pounds of long-term contracting um, year to date so far, not just Cameco, but across the sector. So after that first quarter, uh, it definitely has died down. Uh, the long-term contracting has died down, died down a bit as utilities are now focusing their energy on securing whatever UF6 and EUP that they can in the short term. This per, put major upward price pressure on both of these services and these products. Um, UF6 market is extremely tight. Conversion is tight. Enrichment is tight. It's all, it's all very thin, right? Uh, and so the enrichment uh, aspect of it has has some capacity to increase, and that's in the manner of overfeeding. I've talked about this before. I'm not going to talk about it again right now. But essentially what we're talking about here is once utilities have secured what they can due to the available capacity of conversion and enrichment that will cover their short to midterm needs, they are going to then secure U308 in long-term contracts to secure their needs beyond the short and the midterm for the long-term. That's the real uranium market, the long-term contracting market. And please watch the fireside chat um, from Red Cloud with Mike and uh, Marcelo and Guy. They focus on this a lot, especially Mike. And he's been, you know, Mike Elkin's been hammering this for, for years and years and years. You know, all, he, he's never really strayed from this um, from this, uh, I want to say thesis, but from, from this rhetoric, right, which is essentially that the spot market is, is BS in his own words, and the term contract and the fuel cycle, the term contracting the fuel cycle is really where they spend all of their time. And that's really smart. If you understand what's going on in the fuel cycle and you understand what is coming, then you will have bullish language like he does, like I do, like Marcelo does, like uh, Art and Adam from Segra do. Um, like Guy from Tribeca does. So one thing that I think is, is really important when it comes to fundamental investing, obviously doing as much due diligence on your own as you possibly can. That's crucial. The better your understanding is, uh, the better you will be able to weather the uh, technical ups and downs that don't align with the fundamentals and you can act accordingly or not. But one other element is to, to know enough about the fundamentals and about the sector that you're potentially investing in to recognize the people that know what they're talking about. And whether that's myself, whether that's Mike Galkin, whether that's Adam and Art from Segra, whether it's Marcelo, uh, whether that's Contrarian8888 on Twitter, uh, Harry Chris on Twitter, John Quakes, um, Grave Digger, Uranium Equities. I mean, the list goes on, but these are the smart people in the room, okay? And once you understand enough to understand to recognize the people that know what they're talking about and to, and to recognize that when someone has done a certain amount of work and you, and you recognize that they have a certain understanding of the market, then you, can, then you can interpret their language and their statements differently. They're not just some shill on Twitter that showed up three months ago that's Uranium XYZ and they have 37 followers and, and, they're, and they're super bullish or they're super bearish. 
You know, you have to understand enough to, to know who really understands what they're talking about in the fuel cycle and in, in the uranium trade in general. So um, I understand enough to know that Mike and Marcelo and Guy and Art and Adam and Contrarian and uh, the, the list goes on, but those are some of the primary players in the space. These guys have done 10,000 to 20,000 hours of work in the sector, possibly more. They know what they're talking about. And uh, when they speak, you should listen. And so please go watch that fireside chat. Um, you know, we're, we're getting close to capitulation in this sector. The sentiment is very, very poor. If you don't believe me, read the comments below. And if that should be any indicator. And if you read those comments below and you like the thesis for uranium, then watch the episode yesterday, episode 140 called Awareness of the Pendulum. This is, I had some quotes from Howard Marks from his, uh, from his classic book, The Most Important Thing. And this is chapter nine. The most important thing is the awareness of the pendulum. When you recognize that sentiment is this poor, then you know that the pendulum is swinging to the extreme on one end. Does that mean we're at the absolute bottom? No. Does that mean it's only upside from here? No, it doesn't. But when you juxtapose the fundamental setup that we're seeing here with the trading action of these stocks, then you should know what to do. That's all I'm going to say. I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a great night. I really appreciate you. If you like these videos, please uh, hit the like button and share the video around. Um, this the, the setup that's happening right now for anyone that isn't in this trade, and you can share that with them. This is a uh, a generational wealth opportunity, in my opinion, and I'm I'm acting justly based on that opinion. Um, it's risky, it's volatile, but in my opinion, this is an unbelievable setup and I couldn't be more excited. Take care, have a great night. I will see you tomorrow. Cheers.